Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. Hope you've had a wonderful week. Anybody been hot this week? I am telling you, it is scorching hot. So hot that I went to the grocery store and bought some bread, and by the time I got home, it was toast. I mean, it was, it was that hot. My iceberg lettuce melted. I mean, I heard chickens were laying omelets. You know, it's, it's, it's been that hot. But there's a relief coming. We're so glad that you're here. You know, I like to start with something funny. I heard this story about this young man uh, walking down the beach in California. And as he's walking down the beach, he saw this uh, bottle. And he picked up the bottle and he started to clean the bottle off. And he opened it up and out popped a genie. Now, this is not a true story, okay? Just wanted you to know that. Out, out popped a genie. And the genie said, hey, anything you want, I'll give it to you. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm just scared to fly. Can you build me a bridge from Los Angeles to Honolulu? And he said, well, well, wait a minute. said, do you realize how much concrete that would take? How much steel that would take? The logistics of building such a bridge? Do you have any other requests besides that? He said, well, I do. He said, I've always wanted to understand women. You know, it's like every time, I just don't get it. I want to understand women. And the genie says, look, bud, he said, do you want two lanes on that bridge or do you want four? <laughs> that has nothing to do with the message, but that's okay. I'm so glad you're here. We're closing out our series called Greater Than. In this series, we've learned that God is greater than your fears and greater than your doubts and your insecurities. He's greater than all of your limitations and your weaknesses. He's greater than all of your worries and your anxieties. And today, what we're going to discover is he is greater than your past mistakes and your failures. If you're going to win in life, then you need a power greater than yourself. And we have learned in this series that the Holy Spirit is that power. After Jesus' resurrection, he met with his disciples, and he gathered them together, and he said these words. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but I want you to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. So they gathered together in an upper room, and they started praying. And 10 days after this prayer meeting started, the Holy Spirit was released in on that group of 120 disciples on the day of Pentecost. Their lives were changed that day. They witnessed firsthand how God can take someone who is timid, someone who is weak, and fill them with his anointing and use them to make a great impact on the world and to lead thousands of people to Jesus. These individuals were clothed with power, which meant that God's power operated through them, and they saw people healed. They saw uh, people, um, lives changed, and even dead people come back to life. It's interesting that the same power this, that uh, they had 
that touched them, that touched Jesus, uh, how God anointed them, and they were just normal people. They're just normal, everyday kind of people. And with days of this infilling, people started to notice, you're different. There's something different about you. In fact, they put it together like this in Acts chapter 4. It said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and notice this, realize that these guys were unschooled. These guys were just ordinary folks. These were ordinary men. Uh, They were astonished, and they took note, they made a note that these guys had been with Jesus. In other words, when you are anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, people will take note. All of, they, they may not can put a finger on it, but they recognize something different about you. They recognize that you're not just like everybody else, but there's something different. It's the power of God in you. The Holy Spirit changed their lives, and that's what I want for you. And that's what I want for all of us. I want you to experience this, not just to read about it, not just to see it move on other people, but I want you to experience this personally for this power to rest upon you. Now, here's the big idea for the series. We believe that there is a power that is greater than ourselves who will restore you to wholeness. He will restore you to wholeness and prepare you for God's purposes. Now, have you ever stopped to wonder, God, what's my purpose on this earth? I think all of us at uh, one time, whether we're young or we're old, we, we come and we wrestle with that question. What's my purpose? What am I here to do? And so many times people don't understand how God moves and works. And sometimes people believe that being a a success and knowing your purpose are the same thing. But they're not. You can be a, a raving success in your life and never really understand why that God put you on this earth. So many times we think that success is going to lead us down to this magic path of purpose, but it's not. Your purpose in life is so much greater than your personal fulfillment. It's so much greater than your own happiness. Your purpose in life is greater than your own peace of mind. And I want you to understand this, that you are made by God And you were made for God. And you were made for his purposes. And until you understand that, your life will not make sense. So, what's God's purpose for your life? Now, at Stevens Creek, we boil this down to three simple statements. First of all, we're going to love God. We're going to love people. And we're going to serve the world. We're going to love God, we're going to love people, and we're going to serve the world. Let's talk about loving God. We are here today. You are here today on this earth because God wanted a family. God wanted children. So God created you to love you. And he wants you to love him back. That's how this works. God created you because he wanted to love you. And he simply wants you to love him back. That's called worship. 
And so throughout the Bible, uh, we see this story of God building a family who will love him, who will honor him, and who will reign with him forever. Who will worship him. Worship is knowing God and loving God back. That's our primary objective. That is our purpose. That is our number one purpose in life. So we're here to love God. But secondly, we're going to love people. That's our purpose. Life is about learning how to love one another. God, that's why God created a spiritual family. That's why God created a spiritual family like the church. Because he recognizes that we need each other. We cannot be the people that he has created us to be in isolation. But God has created us with this deep need for one another, this need for a community. That's why he looked at Adam in the garden and he said, it's not good for man to be alone, and he created Eve. And so we're to love people. We're created for this community. Yesterday, Patty and I were at Costco, and we were walking down the the coffee aisle, and there were two couples that are... uh, on that aisle, and they were laughing and talking. They were just intense conversation. We walked by them, and they said, oh, don't mind us. We're just fellowshipping. And we walked on by, and, and Patty said, do you think they go to church? And I said, why? Because uh, she wore a Not Today Satan t-shirt? She said, no, it's because they use the word fellowship. Because that's kind of a church word. When you hear the word fellowship, that's kind of a church word. So that was a a signal, and we laughed about that. And we think about fellowship, it's more than just chewing the fat. It's more than just saying, hey, did you see that game yesterday? Or or just talk about the weather or something like that. Fellowship is is a deep connection. It's where we learn to um, connect with one another. It's where we spend time together. It's where we pray for one another. It's helping each other. It's growing in our faith. It's reminding us that we need each other in this journey of faith. That's why small groups are important. Today is Small Group Sunday, and it is so important for us to get connected because this world likes to divide and likes to isolate. And with the rise of social media, we're more connected than we've ever been, but we're also more isolated than we've ever been, too. And so we really have to work toward breaking down the barriers of isolation and embracing pseudo-community. And I believe that small groups can help with that. And there are times that, uh, that you have to understand that as you start to move into community, it takes work. It takes you doing your part and other people doing their part. It takes work to go deeper in a relationship and in a friendship. Friendships just don't happen overnight. But genuine, godly friendships develop over time. It's as you go through highs and lows, as you support one another, as you truly are there for one another, then you start to understand what it means to be in the fellowship. You understand what it means to love people. Because you will hit a bump in the road and you will go through a difficult time. And I'll tell you, those people that walk with you through the difficult moments of your life, you will remember them for a long, long time. 
And it starts to deepen that connection. So it just takes time. So I just want to encourage you to make it a priority to get connected in community. I said there's three things. You're going to love God. You're going to love people. You're going to serve the world. God made you, and he's given you unique talents and unique abilities and unique skills. And he's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you per- a unique personality. He's given you experiences and all of that he wants to use so that you can make your mark on this world and that you can cha- change the world to be a better place. God wants you to help others. He wants you to serve other people. You know, in the Bible, the word service and the word ministry are the same word. In the Bible, the word servant and the word minister, they're the same word. So when you come and use your talents and abilities to help somebody along the way, you are involved in ministry. You're helping somebody. You're ministering to them. This is what we've all been called to do. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It says, And we know that in all things God works together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Notice the words called and purpose. Calling and purpose go together. God has a purpose for your life. I believe God has a calling for your life. A calling. God has called you. He has uniquely uh, gifted you. And, and I want you to search out that calling. And try to figure that out. Calling, so many times we look at that as only in the professional religious circles, you know. And that is a part of it. I was called into the ministry when I was uh, right before I was 14 years old, I started preaching when I was in high school. So, I've, uh, But calling is more than uh, working for a church. You have a calling of God on your life. And your calling may be uh, writing code. Your calling may be in a hospital helping patients. Your calling may be um, you know, in an engineering firm. Um, building roads and bridges, making the world a better place in Jesus' name. And so I just want you to see that, that God has his hand on your life. And some of you are at a place where you're looking, what's going to, your life will be like in the next five years? What will it be like in the next 10 years? And I want you to hear this message, and I just want you to think about it practically that, yes, God has a calling that he is going to guide me and direct me. Yesterday, we finished 21 days of prayer, and we had hundreds, probably thousands of prayer requests on the stage. And I went through uh, so many of them, and as we prayed over them, we would uh, put a check mark on them just so that everyone would be prayed over. But over and over, I I saw people crying, I need direction. I need uh, God to show me what to do. I I need, you know, they were longing for this, to understand their purpose, to understand their calling. They were willing, but they just didn't know the next step. And part of those uh, cards really, I think, prompted me to move in this direction, in this message. But back to this, we're called according to his purpose. 
God has a purpose for your life. The Apostle Paul wrote those words 20 years after his experience on the road to Damascus. Many of you have heard his story. On the road to Damascus, his name was called Saul. The story is told in Acts chapter 9. This is one of the greatest turnaround stories in all of history. Okay? One of the greatest turnaround stories in all of history, and specifically in the Bible itself. Because Saul was raised as a Jew. He became a rabbi. And then he became um, one who persecuted the church. He hated the church. He hated Jesus. He wanted to do anything he could do to stop the spread of the gospel. And he worked overtime to do that. We're first introduced to him when uh, the disciple Stephen was martyred for his faith. That Saul was there giving approval of his killing. Acts 8 says, And Saul was going everywhere to what? To destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. He was willing to do anything he could do to stop the spread. And so he decided to go to the city of Damascus to arrest Christians and put them in jail for their faith. While he is traveling on his horse um, toward the road to, on the road to Damascus, there was a light that came out of heaven. It was so strong, it blinded him, and it caused him to fall off of his horse down on the ground. And when he fell to the ground, he heard these words. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He responded, who are you, Lord? Then there's a voice that came out of heaven that says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now think about that just for a moment. This was a defining moment for Saul because it was a moment that he was confronted with his actions. He was confronting with his life confronted with his lifestyle. Have you ever been confronted by somebody? Have you ever been called on the carpet for your actions or or something you've said? I mean all of us have. And that day this voice from heaven called him on the carpet and said Saul, why are you doing this? It's interesting, that very moment, he said, who are you, Lord? At that moment, he recognized that Jesus is Lord. At that moment, he was saved. Lying there on the dirt, on the road to Damascus, this man, Saul, was saved. He recognized that Jesus is Lord. He submitted his life to him. But do you know what? He was also blind. Because that light was a real light, and it actually blinded him. So he could not see. So his friends picked him up, put him on the horse, took him to Damascus. God prompted a disciple named Ananias. He said, I want you to go over to Saul's house, and I want you to pray over him. Ananias shows up, verse 17 Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, and he's placing his hands on Saul. He said, Jesus has sent me so that you may see again. And what? And be filled with 
the Holy Spirit. Jesus has sent me so that you can be filled with a power that is greater than yourself. He laid his hands on him. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice this. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He was healed. He got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And so Saul stayed with those fellow believers there in Damascus for some time, and then later moved to Tarsus. And for three years, he studied the faith and and tried to understand his calling before he really moved into his missionary work. And so we see this man, Saul, who is a terrorist, who's trying to put people in prison and have them murdered, all of a sudden experienced Jesus, his life was changed, and now he's an evangelist. And in that process, God changed his name from Saul, the terrorist, to Paul, the apostle. He received a a renewed vision of what his life can be. I think that just speaks very clearly. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made, the evil that you've been involved in. You can be changed in the power of Jesus' name. And though your past is shaded, though your past is criminal, though your past is evil, in the name of Jesus, your sins can be washed away and you can be made whole and you can be used for the glory of God. This is an example of that. So stop the excuses. Oh, I can never do that because if you only knew me or if you only knew my past, your past is washed in the blood of Jesus and your sins have been placed in the deepest and the darkest ocean. You are free from your past. But not only are you free from your past, you're anointed for your future. God has anointed you and God has a, a calling and a purpose Called according to his purpose. You're called according to his purpose. So Saul was touched, changed to Paul. Now he has a new vision for his life. He started to understand his why. He was called to serve Christ in his church. Then he started to look forward to his future. So what's the difference between purpose and and vision. We, we hear those, and oftentimes we talk about purpose. Your, what's your purpose for your life, or what's the vision for your life? And we kind of merge those two together and think that they're the same. They're very closely related. But to be very uh, practical, purpose focuses on the why. Why are you here? Purpose focuses on the why. Vision focuses on where. Where are you headed? Slightly different. Why are you here? And then where are you going? And so many times people struggle to have a clear vision of where they're going. The children of Israel struggled. They went round and round in the um, wilderness. Where are you headed? I see some people that they seem to go round and round. They go through cycles and they just repeat what uh, they have done before. And it's like that, that song uh, that you're just repeating it over and over. You, you, you take a couple of steps forward, a couple of steps backward. It's the same place. Over the next few minutes, I just want to talk to you about the importance of having a fresh vision for your life. 
Proverbs chapter 29 and 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's King James Version. Whereas there's no vision, people perish. We really think, oh, if people don't have money, that's when they perish. Or if people don't have talent, that's when they perish. But really what the scripture said, it's the vision issue. If you don't have a vision, that's where you'll perish. So how do you develop a vision? Just think about your life and think about maybe the next few months or the next few years. Where do you see yourself in three years? Here, the, uh, Saul went to Damascus. Then he went to Tarsus to study the scriptures, to learn what it means to walk in faith, uh, to develop, deepen his relationship with God. He did that for three years. How is your life going to be different in three years than it is today? Over the next few minutes, I want to give you six things that will help you develop a vision for your life. Here's the first one. I want you to look inside. What are you feeling? What do you feel? When you get alone and you just look inside of your life, in your heart, what do you feel? For me, vision begins in the heart I'll feel something. I'll, I'll feel a need for somebody uh, or something or some situation. I feel this need. And, and some of you, this is how that is. You will walk into a room or you'll walk into a situation or walk into the church and, or maybe walk into um, a classroom or maybe your work, and you'll see something wrong there, and you'll say, this is not right. Somebody needs to do something. Have you ever... Notice that, that you walk in something and there's chaos or something. Something's not right. Somebody needs to do something. Most of the time, when you have those feelings, somebody needs to do something, is God prompting you to get involved in that something. You're part of the something. Somebody needs to do something about this. You're raising awareness. That just shows you God is speaking and that um, to you through this. You see the challenge, and you have a solution or you have an idea that may possibly lead to a solution to the problem. Somebody needs to do something. I love it, but oftentimes people come to me and say, you know, I think the church ought to be doing this. And it will tell me several, sometimes good ideas. Uh, In the early days, I used to embrace that and feel the weight of it. I said, okay, but now I've realized it's God prompting them to do that. God's prompting them. God is raising them up because they are, a, they are a minister. Everyone is a minister, and so now it's their responsibility to do that. Some of you have this gift of teaching. You're trying to figure out what to do with that. Well, start a small group. Start to develop that gift of teaching. It's those, somebody needs to do something. Okay, so how does God speak? Well, first of all, it begins in the heart. God always speaks loud enough for a willing ear to listen. God always speaks loud enough for a willing ear. Are you willing? He's going to speak loud enough. So how does he speak? Oftentimes he speaks to me through the Bible. I'll read a scripture and and it'll just come and leap off the page. Or maybe he'll speak to me as I pray, as I, I get alone with him and move out the distractions. And I start to hear a prompting, just a, just a nudge. Or maybe he'll speak to me through a message like this, like God is speaking to some of you today, is nudging you 
to take that step. At times, he speaks through supernatural events. I mean, a miracle takes place, and we say, okay, you got my attention. This was not ordinary. So it comes within a supernatural event, or maybe there's a sudden change of circumstances. I mean, I'm going down one road, and then boom, the door is closed. It's over. Or maybe, boom, the door is open. There's this sudden change, an unexpected change in God. And after we get our emotions out of it, we understand God closed the door on that. That was there for a season. That was there to prepare you for what God has already prepared for you. It had fulfilled its purpose. The door's closed. Or God speaks through wise counsel. But you know what else? God also speaks through good old common sense. So don't forget that. So you want to look inside. I want you to look behind. What have you learned? Tell me about the experiences that you've gone through. Many of the experiences that you've gone through in the past will help shape you in the days ahead. And you can go into those new experiences in the days ahead with, uh, with a, a learning and understanding from Um, that God has used in the past in that pain. In other words, God never wastes a pain, and God never wastes a problem. But God will use your pains and your problems for your good and his glory. He'll turn those negative things around, and he'll bring something good out of it because you're called according to his purpose. And so he's going to use that. So just look at what you've learned. Here's the third thing. I want you to look around and see what's happening. What's happening to others. Now, the first thing uh, that I need you to do when you walk into a room is this. I want you to read the room. You need to read the room. That room may be the living room of your house. But I'm saying that when you walk into a group of people... I want you to think about what they're going through. I want you to think about their experiences. I want you to think about their day. I want you to think about their pain, their problems. I just want you to think about that. Because so often, if you're like me, you can be so wrapped up and so self-absorbed that you don't see anybody else's issue but your own. And I am trying to get you to turn, to have a vision for your life. You've got to look around the room, and you've got to read the room and see what's going on, and then speak into that, just to acknowledge that. Now, some of you have dreams of starting businesses, and you have dreams of starting ministries, and and you have big dreams, and here's what I would say to you. You've got to read the room. You've got to read the market. You've got to read the community. Robert Schuller, 50 years ago, said this, if you want to be a success in life and be effective in your ministry, there's three things that will lead you to that. First of all, find a need and fill it. So where's there a need? You know, some people start big businesses and they're trying to fill a need that's not there. When you're trying to fill a need that's not there, you're going to go out of business. So is there a need for what you want to do? And it may be, yes, there is, but maybe not in this location. It's in another location. Find a need and fill it. Here's the second thing. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a hurt. There's a problem. There's a, you know, a situation. 
Find a hurt and heal it. We've got um, a lady in our church who went on a mission trip and realized that there were, uh, there were communities in Africa that, did not, that do not have water. And so as just a member of the church, as a female, she put it on her heart to go raise money to build wells. And she's continued to do that and started a, a work called 28 Bold. That's a female doing that, going to Africa, working this up, and digging wells. You can do a lot more than you think. But what she was doing is there's a need. I find a hurt. I'm going to bring healing to that. That, that may take you to be a nurse. That may uh, prompt you to be a doctor. Maybe you'll be a surgeon or maybe you'll be um, uh, an x-ray technician. But you see the hurt and you want to bring help. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a problem and solve it. Find a problem. Find a problem. A lot of people struggle with problems. Some of you are going to go to work this week and there's this problem over here in your office and you're going to work at solving that problem. If you will solve problems, you'll always have a job. Because your employer loves people who will solve problems instead of create them. Okay? So look around, see what's happening. Here's the fourth one. I want you to look ahead and just ask yourself, where do you want to go? Seriously, where do you want to be at the end of this year? Where do you want to be in three years? Where do you want to be in five years? Well, I want to be married and have kids. Well, it's time to go on a date. I mean, you know, you think about that. You know, it's just not going to happen. Guys, there's something about the chase. I think some, I better just stay off of that. I think in this easy world of online dating, it's just like we think that Mrs. Wright is going to come just automatically. You've got to be careful because it might be Mrs. Wright and she's Mrs. Always Right. And so, but there's something about the chase. There's something about going after. It's the vision for your life. What is your vision? Do you, do you, you see yourself in medicine, do you see yourself in ministry? What are you doing today to move yourself toward that vision for your life? Fifth, look above. What does God expect? What is God leading you to do? What is that when you just feel this prompt, you just feel this one, God, you just feel this move in your life? What's God saying to you? What is he leading you to do? And finally, look beside you. What resources are available? I believe that if you'll use the resources that you have, God will provide resources that you don't have. If you'll do the possible, God will do the impossible. You know, when we were thinking, Patty and I were thinking about and dreaming about starting this church, probably about 37, 38 years ago at this point, we were broke. I mean, we were just probably two or three years off of food stamps and government housing. And uh, we just had this dream, though, of starting a church. And we were just trying to find a location to start it. And, and we just dreamed of that. But we were clueless. In those days, they didn't have uh, organizations like the Ark that would help you plan a church. I mean, you were basically on your own. And I was at a grocery store um, 
here in town, and a lady came up to me. Her name was Linda Fivash. And Linda came up to me and said, the Lord told me to give you $50. Now, that was a lot of money to us, $50. And, and I took that money, and I looked at that money as a seed. And with that money, I bought, I think it's a 9 or 10 cassette tape album called How to Plant a Church. And for the next several months, I listened to those cassette tapes over and over and over until that dream of how do you do this and how does it work and all that got in me. And so God provided seed for me to sow. God will provide seed for you to sow. God will provide it. But you've got to sow it. You've got to plant it. It's a partnership here. You've got to work the ground. You've got to uh, water the plants, and then you'll have the harvest. So after you've done all of this, and God starts to provide you just to see, maybe that seed is just a little opportunity. Maybe it's an opportunity for an internship. Maybe that internship comes with no pay. Oh, my goodness. You're not going to pay me for this internship? Well, maybe it, what if it doesn't come with pay? But you are called to do that. You trust God that you take that step and you're faithful in the small things. God will make you ruler over large things. Just be faithful to that. It's all about preparing. Okay, how do you know that this vision is from God? How do you know that? It, it will require faith. Because if you have this grand vision and you can accomplish all of this on your own, then it's not from God. But if this vision for your life is so big and so grand that you think this will never happen unless God does that, then I want you to know you're on the edge of something really special. You're on the edge of something very special. Because God's calling you to the life of faith. God's calling you to trust Him. God's calling you to believe in Him. And I look at you, and I really think the future God has a future for you. He has a plan for your life. And it's bigger than you imagine. So really, my prayer today is that God would enlarge your vision. Because some of you are so narrowly focused. But God says, I want to do immeasurably more than you ask or even imagine. According to what? According to the power that is within you. What power? The power that is greater than yourself. The power of the Holy Spirit. So what do you want God to do in your life? I want you to think about that. And I want you simply to ask him. Ask him. Let's stand together for a moment of prayer. Maybe some of you in this room or you're watching online that you never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today is your day. Today is your day to say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, save me. It's a simple prayer. But I believe that just a surrendering prayer like that will change your life forever, just like it did for Saul in our story today. So I want to pray over you that you would receive Christ today. Let's 
bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those individuals in this room that have never made a decision to follow you. And if that's you, just pray this prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person. Say that. Into the kind of person you want me to be. I give you my life. I give you my past, and I trust you with my future. Save me and fill me with your spirit. And, Father, as they pray that prayer, I ask that you would do as only you can do. Save them. But, Lord, I'm also praying right now for the hundreds of people who are in this room that they have a longing to understand your purpose for them and a longing to understand their vision. They want to know the why and they want to know the where. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would move upon this group. That you would start to prompt, that you would start to lead, that you would start to open doors for them. I pray specifically, God, today that you would provide seed for them to sow. That seed may come in a seed money where they would invest in a class or invest in an experience or an internship. Or that seed may be just that opportunity to be mentored. God, come and open doors. Father, I pray for those individuals that uh, they have been comfortable in the vision that they've had, but they sense a stirring that there's even more that you have for them. And I ask, God, that you would move upon them and you would open their eyes to your direction and your guidance. So come, Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you in advance for what you're doing. And today, Lord, we receive what you have for us. Say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. Let's say that out loud again. God, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you today. Amen. Thanks so much for coming. Don't forget our revival is tonight at 7 o'clock. Make it a point to be at one of the services this week. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.